Good afternoon. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013. This is Chickie Fitzgerald, the founder of the Executive Girlfriends Group, and we have a special show for you today. We do not normally broadcast on Wednesday, but we are celebrating the release of a brand new book by Margie Alaprandi, and her book is called How to Get Absolutely Anything That You Want in Six Practical, Doable, Time-Tested Steps. Welcome, Margie. Um, I'm so happy to be here, Chickie. Thank you so much. Well, you know, it's funny because when we first were introduced, we were introduced by a, a very dear friend of mine, and uh, she told me that I just absolutely had to call you and talk to you. And uh, I don't remember how long we talked, but uh, it felt like we had known each other forever. And, yes, uh, yes. You know, we talked about this being so far off in the future, and here it is. And here so, it is. I so, know. Margie, tell us uh, a little bit about your background. Our listeners always like to hear, uh, you know, about the real you. And, uh, you know, sometimes authors have this mystique about them that, you know, you're you're not really a real person. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background and your life. Because I All know right. you, are any, you are not a, a myth. You are a real no, person. I'm, <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, and I am. I'm, I am happy to share a little bit of my my story and my background, and kind of weave it into how this book came to be. Um, and and maybe I'll go back. You know, just kind of from a from a business standpoint, go back about 25 years ago, um, because it's it's been in that time that I have really learned and practiced these principles that have made such an extraordinary difference in my life. Um, so. Um, to, to rewind back a, a couple of decades and a half, I was a single mom with three little kids, and uh, with background as a as a junior high school music teacher, I was really um, uh, torn about how I was going to try to make ends meet, and I felt that probably the best way, and or maybe the only way that I could do that was with a steady job, going back to teaching school, um, and um, and I really begrudgingly started doing some interviewing to find the right position and um uh, and and uh, signed a contract you know t- tentatively tentatively signed a contract um and a few weeks before school was to start I happened upon um an opportunity that really resonated with me I grew up in Utah so I had had a lot of people talk to me about network marketing on many occasions and I just you know leave me alone I've got no desire to do this I would rather wash toilets for the rest of my life than do that leave me alone leave me alone um <clears throat> but right product right time and um I just uh, I I just made an executive decision and canceled my teaching contract and um, jumped into this business with no previous experience, no capital to begin a business with, and with three little kids who were five, four, and two years of age um, at the time. So that that's the that's um, kind of the uh, the the beginning of the story. The from from there um, from there. Uh, I, uh, uh, I had plenty of challenges in those early days. Um, right. As you, you know, that's definitely a, a business that um, that is where rejection is implicit. <laughs> Absolutely, so, but yeah. you've ob- obviously gotten over that barrier. You, your business now spans 29 countries. You have a team of over 25, uh, no, 250,000 worldwide. Yeah. And uh you know that that is uh, a whole lot of rejection turned uh positive <laughs> turned right exactly yeah yes 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 and and within within one year um with you know all of those all of the challenges and all of the doubting of the self but moving and staying into really consistent action chicky i was making more money in one month than i could have made in an entire year teaching school right and you know, by the time I was 35, I'd made my first million dollars. Just um, an, an incredible, incredible uh, experience and opportunity. Well, and you you have also decided that you want to do more than just make money. You want to make a difference. And you have got a, a program, uh, a campaign called A Thousand Moms Making a Thousand Dollars and Making a Difference. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Um, uh, right. So that is um, a, a campaign for moms, women, uh, etc., who want to educate others about safe, healthy, non-toxic products for the home and to create a collaboration about what it takes to really have a healthy home and at the same time create outstanding income for themselves. And so hence the name 1,000 Moms Making $1,000 and Making a Difference. And it's a, it's a very inspired and inspiring uh campaign uh, for women all over the world. I, I, I see that, that CD um, that has the little baby's hand and the mom's hand. I don't know if you're seeing a logo or image of it. I, I see that translated into Russian and, right. you know, I can recognize the picture, but I can't read the words. So it really has become um, a worldwide campaign of um, cool. educating educating people to make healthy choices and make money at the same time. Well, let's talk about these six practical, doable, time-tested steps. And, you know, I'm always struck at at how simple these things are, and and they really are instinctive. And and I ask myself all the time, why do I not do these things? Because, you know, when you look at them laid out, they just make sense. And I, I, you know, I mean, I know I do some of these things. But number one, step one is deciding what you want. And I will tell you, we, we've had this dialogue in my house the last 24 hours uh, at a fairly fevered pitch. I've got a, a 12-year-old son about to turn 13. And he made a decision that this Saturday he wanted to go to the birthday party of a friend. Well, right. last night his dad happened to mention that this Saturday, he was going to go fishing with one of his business colleagues. Well, my son, Sergey spent a good hour last night trying to negotiate why he should go fishing instead of the birthday party he already committed to, right? And he had already right. decided what he wanted, but he got a better offer. And I know many of us do this, and I do this in my own business life, is I keep my options open in case I get a better offer, right? And so I haven't really decided what I want. And, uh, you know, so I, I would really like to hear about your perspectives here. Um, you know, I've got another story I want to tell, but I'll, I'll wait uh, a little bit. But at the the end of the very sad story with Sergey last night was he kept trying to negotiate to get what he wanted, which was right. so fishing. But he got <laughs> Kids are good at that. Him. He got sent to bed without supper because he started negotiating things like, well, we don't really have to go to church Sunday morning. We could go fishing Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> at, at which point it was like, okay, <laughs> off to bed. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, step one, so cute. decide what step you want. Step one, decide what you really want. So you're kind of talking about mixed intentions. And, um, the, you know, this chapter has two parts to it. The one piece is that when you become more decisive in your life, it gives um, power and purpose and direction. And, you know, there's that wonderful W.H. Murray quote that, you know, once one really commits oneself, um, that providence moves to, all kinds of things begin to occur that would not have otherwise happened, um, all stemming from that really, truly committed decision. And so um, I think decisiveness, I think our decision-making muscles are a little bit flabby because we get extremely <laughs> busy and we go from one thing to the next to the next right. in our day, kind of wafted along. And, and so we're um, we're not decisive and committed to decisions we kind of well that would be nice we we have a a preference but it doesn't really become a decision so one part of this chapter is about the power that can come into your life as you simply decide um and the other part is what is it that you that you really really want you know i find that very few people can answer that in a deep and compelling way without giving it some thought. And part of that also, I think, is because of our busyness in life that, um, you know, we just... We uh, we just kind of move from one department of our life to the next to the next, and it's probably been a while since most people have taken the time to consider. I, I mean, I know you, Chicky, had a profound shift in your life a handful of years ago, and you decided what you really wanted, and you started going after it in a big way, and the ripple effect now in so many people's lives has been incredible. 
And so part of the book is a really, uh, in this chapter, is a really deep dive into what do you really want? Why were you born? I mean, I believe that every person has in them a gift and a song to sing. They have a call that if they don't step up, if they don't sing that song, it goes unsung. And so, you know, the whole book is, by its title, you can tell how to get absolutely anything you want, is really about being deliberate. It's about creating the life you want on purpose. And so this first chapter is really valuable in um, in exploring the depths of that. And if you've already done some of this kind of values work and you already are very clear about what some of your gifts and aptitudes are, um, it will still just enrich and um, and refocus you on what you're really here for, right? Our right. life is so short. I said to my kids um, on Easter that it, it dawned on me a few years ago that I have already lived longer than I will yet live. And, you know, that's gone by in a blink. So I, I just I feel such an urgency, and I think I have since I was a young girl, that, um, you know, figure it out, move into it, you know, get it on the radar, your biggest, boldest dreams and goals and desires and, you know, just, um, and, and, and get into action around them. Right. Well, the funny thing is, is, uh, even since you and I last spoke, um, you know, I've, I've had another major shift in, in where I am going with my life. Yeah. Not surprised. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because the other night, uh, and, I think back when we talked uh, a couple of months ago, I told you that, you know, I keep a, a card on the, the outside of my monitor, uh, you know, because I've got a very large monitor that I hook up to my laptop. And so in, in my field of vision, I see this this word of focus, uh, you know, which is one of the things that you've talked about. And I think this this indecision about what you want to do or what you um you know, think is going to be the right thing for you and creating those mixed intentions that we talked about with, with my son is because you you don't figure out which is the one thing you want to put uh, all of your attention toward. And and I know for my own life I've always, uh, you know, had so many balls in the air. And the other night I had a dream, Margie, and that dream was I had just come home from a trip, my suitcase was still sitting out, and I needed to get to the airport to go to Korea. And I guess Korea was in my head because it's on the news so much. Um, but I I uh, I went to, uh, you know, open the suitcase and pull out a few things and put in a few new things, and my suitcase was empty. And and mm. uh, I turned to, and I, I don't even know who it was, it was a woman, and, and said, you know, where, where's my stuff? And, oh, well, I, I'm washing it for you. And I'm thinking, no, I've got to leave for the airport. I've got to run <laughs> off and, and get on this plane. And, and, you know, I only had like an hour and 20 minutes to get on this international flight. And then we got in the car to drive to the airport, and I decided I was just going to buy whatever I needed when I got there. And and so here I am, you know, with an empty suitcase in the car. And then the next thing I know, we're walking around the mall. And I'm like, why are we here? We're supposed to be going to the airport. And, you know, the people that I was with said, no, you said you wanted to buy buy things. And I'm like, no, I'm going to buy them on the other end. You don't understand. And then, <laughs> then I woke up before I even got to the airport. But the thought in my head when I woke up was you never even questioned why you were going to Korea. Uh-huh. And 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 it, it was one more thing of I still have all of these things on my schedule <laughs> that don't have to do with where I am now moving toward. And um, and I, I'm not going to get into that now because I want to spend time talking about the components of the book. But, you know, I, I think we need mm. to listen to things like our dreams and like the call of our heart when we don't feel fulfilled. And so many of the women that that are part of the executive girlfriends group have been in, you know, the same job or the same career path or some of them with the same company for many, many years and haven't questioned uh, themselves as as to what is their life's purpose and and uh, you know how do you take that next step? So chapter two and and step two is about building belief and you know i think most of us know what what our core um our core values are which is part of what what 
step one is, is figuring that out. But once you have those core values and once you know what you want, how do you build belief? Well, you know, uh, belief is such an important and just um, emotionally infused topic because we have been adopting beliefs about absolutely everything in our lives from the time that we were young. And some of the beliefs that we have were handed to us by other people. Some of them are outdated. Some of them are downright disempowering. Um, some of them are right on and they support us and, and, and they help and advance us towards our dreams. But um, the the beliefs that we hold literally shape what happens in our lives, as you know, because when you hold a belief, it's and, and a belief, I mean, let's just ask right straight out here, what, what even is a belief? A belief is an idea that we've entrenched. It's an idea that we've right. given legs and a foundation to. And then once that's in place, we tend to look for confirmation in our outside world that that's true. You know, it's, it's that idea of you're going to find what you're looking for. And so um, examining, taking time to examine our beliefs and to determine which ones are working for us and which ones are taking us toward our dreams, which ones are obstructing us, which ones need to be replaced. Um, in the book, I go through a four-step process that literally, and I, I know this will sound fantastic to some people, and I believe you will know that this can happen, Chicky, because this is the kind of stuff you do. But um, this four-step process enables people literally to uproot disempowering beliefs and replace them immediately and permanently with empowering beliefs. And that is... Um, and that that can happen because you get to pick them. The greatest right. thing about the beliefs is that you know they they were ideas that we chose to give a foundation to, and we can pick a new belief that is more um, supportive or or more empowering, and we can adopt that belief and we can give legs to that. It's all our choice, right? Right. right. Well, you and I so, did talk about this when we when we first met a couple of months ago because um and and I hadn't seen the outline for your book and you talk about the most important belief of all is I am worthy. Well, you know, when we think about that in the business context, and and I'm going to put some shape around this, uh, I shared my story of what I call my my spectacular failure, and and that was I raised $7 million, built out uh, much-needed technology for the travel industry, and then the business uh, just halted about 45 days after we launched uh, on Travelocity. And there were a whole bunch of reasons behind that. But one of the most important for me was that during that time uh, when we were trying to raise money and trying to raise enough so that we had a long enough runway, uh, you know, to be able to do the trial and error that a new technology business is, um, was I let um, investors – tell me that I couldn't be the CEO of that entity and that I really needed to bring in a tried-and-true uh, CEO to run it. And so I went through about five or six years of, of uh, not believing that I was CEO material. And, uh, mm. you know, while at the same time I've been running, you know, a multimillion-dollar company for, you know, well over uh, 17 years. And so uh, what recently happened since you and I talked last is I was invited to be a part of a, a, a major real estate development project down in Antigua. And when I went down there, um, you know, I didn't really know what my role was going to be. And so I was sitting with the landowner of uh, the, the land on this beautiful uh, bay that has not been developed. And we're sitting at dinner and he says, well, Chickie, tell, you know, tell me what it is that you want. And, you know, and I thought, well, gosh, I, you know, I haven't really thought about it. And I knew that I brought a lot to the project, you know, once the hotel is built and once, uh, you know, all the components that reach out to the cruise market because travel is my background. And uh, about a half an hour later, I found myself sitting there, you know, just eating, listening to the conversation. And I hear this voice inside, tell him what you want. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't know what I want. And it's like, no, tell him what you want. Tell him what you've been saying for the last three years. And so I, his name is Elvis, <laughs> of all things. Yeah. And, and I, I said, Elvis, uh, excuse me, I said, I'm ready to tell you what I want. And he uh, stopped, you know, what he was doing and looked at me. And I said, I want to be the CEO of a well-funded company. <laughs> and that, that, again, had been my mantra for, for 
you know, the previous three years because I had been told I couldn't do that. I was in a bootstrapped company. I wanted to be in a company that didn't have to worry about money. And so here this comes out of my mouth, and he looks at me, and he said, Chicky, you're the absolute right person for this. This is the absolute right time, and I've been praying for for you to come along. And, and right. So, like, what if you hadn't spoken up, right? Right. And so, you know, now we're kind of going into the next phase of what all of that means. But, I mean, I lived this step, too, by simply giving voice to what I had been working on building as, as that belief over the last three years. And so yeah. let's, let's then move on to the next step because I You know, I let me let me just interject. Let me interject one quick thing here. Um you talked about the belief that you're worthy. You've just talked about the importance of asking and voicing it, which we can get to that a little bit more in chapter 4 talking talking right. about speaking it out loud. Um but the the one thing I want to punctuate here and I think particularly for women though it go it's really for for anyone and that is one of the most important things that has happened for me. In, in building a very successful business um, is learning to trust myself, right? To right. know what I know, what I know, what I know, rather than Absolutely. listening to every single thing around me um, and always calling into question, you know, these deep instincts. And um, and that is that's such a, a brilliant gift to give yourself, that, that just truly trusting yourself. Right, right. Absolutely. And and that gives you the power that you need to do step three, which is crafting a compelling vision. So taking mm. that knowledge and that belief and then uh, going the next step. So talk to us a little bit about the vision process. And I, I know so many of us have been through, you know, corporate visioning and the high paid consultant comes in and, you know, helps you craft the, the, the words around the vision. And, and uh, you know, you're talking about something much more personal. Yes, 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 yes. Um, So we think in pictures, and every single one of us has a vision, whether it's a supportive and a strong, big, expansive vision, or it's a a small or, you know, whatever, whatever. We have a vision about most things in our life. We can, you know, drum up these pictures and and, um, images in our mind around almost everything. And so... I I believe that vision is probably one of the most important things because it, it precedes the occurrence of everything. Um, we we need to be able to see things big enough to bring big things into our lives. And when we craft a vision that is compelling, it it serves as that motivation to get us out of bed in the morning. You know, you, you've heard, I'm sure, the statement that obstacles are those things we see when we take our eye off the goal. Well, I would say when you have a, a vision that is big and inspiring and it fills your mind and it fills your heart, you become a very attractive person, and people are just naturally drawn to you and inspired by you. They, it Almost without words being spoken, when you are somebody that sees things in a big way, people just want a piece of that. I think right. particularly right now, people are a bit tired, and they, you know, they want hope. They want. Um, to believe that they really have the power to control their own lives, that it really is something they have in their hands. And and so when they cross your path and you've got this big, bold vision, it just inspires them and lights them up. So, yeah, there's this is a pretty in-depth chapter on uh, that really pushes you to be a little bit more outrageous in your vision and to, to just boldly ask yourself the question, how big can I see this? How big can I see this? And once again, the whole idea of getting it on the radar right. um, to to bring the other steps into play. Right, right. And, you know, I, I think the every time I hear about people creating a vision board with, you know, with the, the images, I always say, okay, I'm going to do that. But today I actually really am going to spend time doing that because uh, the things that I'm working on, uh, you know, it's so clear uh, now of of what what I need to do, and there are are some things in in my previous business that I have to kind of wrap up. But um, you know whether it's printing out the logos of the companies that I want to have come in and buy my previous businesses, or printing out a picture of this gorgeous bay in Antigua. <laughs> um, right. You know, I think right. having those visuals to remind me that I already have decided what I want, and I am yes. building that belief. 
by uh, you know taking on the role, doing the press release about you know that this is my role, and I'm not letting anyone challenge that. You know, crafting this compelling uh, vision moving forward. And so, um, is there anything you know, more that you want to say yeah, about uh, yeah, crafting I, the compelling vision? What I would share with you is that um, a couple of years ago, I've got grown children now. They were five, four, and two years of age when I started the business, and then I subsequently had a fourth child. They're now 30, 29, 27, and 20. And um, a couple of years ago, I began establishing what I want to become a tradition of getting together and um, making vision boards right at the 1st of January. And I encouraged them to choose a theme for the year. Like last year, mine was mindfulness. And um, and I, I invite them, like, what what is the one word? We have the greatest time together, the four kids and their significant others, and even my fiancé's uh, daughter joined in this last year. We talk about our wins for the previous year. Um, we talk about our lessons. So we talk about the things we learned as a result of some of the challenges that came. And then we do these boards. And Chicky, I mean, these are grown kids. And they've always been very goal-oriented because that's the, the household that I grew them up in. <laughs> right. But I thought I'd get pushback on this. And I just didn't. I bought, you know, dozens and dozens of magazines. And now, um, and then to have each one of them stand up and hold this big board with the images that they chose that represent something dear to them. And as they explain it, you know, they're speaking it out loud, which is where we're going from here. And to just, you know, watch them do that process was so precious, just so precious. And so it's, you know, it's really, it sounds like it could be a big project, but it doesn't have to be. You just pick up right. a poster board from Office Depot or Office Max or something and, and grab some magazines and just watch the creativity on flow, you know, flow, outflow as right. uh, people put images to their beautiful dreams and desires. Well, I love that, and I, I we have plenty of poster board around. I, I still have a sixth grader and a ninth grader, so wonderful. Yeah, get it get it in their routine right now. Oh, I love it. I love it. So let's move on to step four because you know I think the thing that held me back for so long, I knew, I, I really did know what I wanted. And it just took me until that night, you know, in in Antigua, to actually get past thinking it and actually speak it, and then affirming it into existence by talking about it as if it were a foregone conclusion. We, you know, I still had to negotiate my contract, and we still have to raise uh, $500 million for the project. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that still has to be done. But talk to me about step four, which is think it. Speak it, affirm it into existence. So this chapter is so fantastic um, because it um, it explores the impact that our thoughts have on everything that um, that we're experiencing in our lives, and um, it really has some some great content around managing not just our inner dialogue and becoming vigilant about that so that we can. Um, you know, be a, a deliberate creator, but it also has some great information about the language, you know, how with the things we say out loud and really checking ourselves to make sure that the words that come out of our mouth um, are supportive. So that's a great aspect. And then, you know, I'm just a believer in affirmations. I have seen them work so profoundly in my life about about um, six or seven years ago, I was working as the president of a company that was manufacturing and selling a uh, an affirmation software program. Actually, we private labeled it for The Secret, the movie The Secret as well. Right. And next to their own DVD, it was the top-selling product on their superstore. And what this um, product enabled you to do is to create affirmations in your own voice, which I always would wait until I was at a time of absolute certainty and boldness and in that space of I will not be denied, you know, just that inspired place. And then you record them in your own voice and um, and then it had music so that you could put music to increase the emotion um, and the feeling around it because you got to get to the feeling place with your affirmations. Uh, and then you could just listen to them over and over again, download them to an MP3, you know, or uh, make create an MP3 file, download them, and listen to them over and over again. What I found that was so amazing is that a goal, a dream, a goal or a dream, 
that was so precious and seemed so far away, like the gap between where I was and where I wanted to be seemed so vast, that when I first spoke it to someone, I could hardly get it out of my mouth without tears. I noticed that by creating these affirmations that things like that were showing up in my life within a month or within two months. And so I just, I really became a believer. And I, of course, have taught all my kids this. And, and um, I, I created an affirmation at one point that I really believe brought my soulmate in. <laughs> and I, I share that affirmation in the book. Every time I read it to people, they're like, give me a copy of that. Give me a copy of that. Um, <laughs> but I also watch what's happened with my 20-year-old daughter um, who really has taken this, this to heart and for the last three years she's created affirmations at first I created them for her now she creates them all by herself um, and she reads them every single morning and, and um, it, there are times she says to herself oh that's baloney that's baloney you know really come on but she persists and and they all come to pass um, because she gets herself in that thinking and the feeling place um, and affirming it you know some people still think that affirmations are a little bit woo woo and um, you know, and to those naysayers, I would just say this: you affirm all the time. Every time we have a, a, a thought and we repeat it, we are making it firm. We are affirming something. And so, why wouldn't we just take this whole brilliant process and make it deliberate? Deliberately create these positive present tense statements right. that will take us toward the things that we want. Well, so, absolutely, yeah, this is, and. And I love uh, one of the things near the end of that chapter is about the importance of being specific. And, you know, as I told you, I put these cards around my monitor uh, on my computer, and one of them had uh, focused on doing more public speaking. And I, I had that up there for probably a year. And then, you know, I had started in the car with my kids when I was picking them up listening to TED Talks. And, you know, I came home one day and I tore that one off and I put, no, I want to speak at TED. I don't want to just do more public speaking. I want to do a TED Talk. <laughs> Let's get specific here. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and and I actually went to the, the point of putting on my LinkedIn profile that I'm a TED aficionado so that I can link to people who have spoken at TED and use right. that as our link that I'm an aficionado and you have spoken at TED so therefore, you know, please connect to me. <laughs> and yeah. and it, it's it's funny because once you do start getting specific and speaking that affirmation and talking to other people who have achieved what seems like um either an implausible dream or an impossible dream, uh but to realize that, you know, those people who are up on on the stage doing that talk, you know, they're they're just like you. They they have a different set of experiences that they they share. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, they're yeah, do you know, there's, uh, there's power in that speaking it out loud. Like yes. you're saying, when you speak it out loud, it becomes more real. And, you know, I think that, uh, that, you know, probably many of the people listening in believe as I do that we have support from the unseen world. Mm -hmm. Um, and we also have a myriad of helpers here around us that when we speak what we want, truly want to support us in getting what we want. But it all starts with being able to speak it out loud. Right. Um, so write it down, speak it out loud, and um, and then move into action on it is the, you know, the creative process. Right. But before you get to acting, which is step six, is step five, which is connect with the heart. Yes. And uh, you begin this by talking about uh, the pivotal point in your journey, and you know I think all of us have that. I mean, I I, I think I've I've had multiple <laughs> pivotal points, and and each time I think I'm I'm on that last leg of my journey, there's another pivot point, and and then I'm moving in a different direction. But I I know all along it's the way that it was supposed to be. So talk to us about heart closers, heart openers, uh, the importance of loving and forgiving yourself, and and. What what people would think about the softer side uh, of what we've been talking about? Mm, you know, this this also is just one of my very favorite favorite. I guess they're all my favorite chapter, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, be, because it becomes very easy to detect people that are living with an open heart, and when you do, 
um, you, first of all, you open yourself up to all of the abundance that wants to just pour in to all the support, the help, the love that surrounds you right now. And um, and there are a lot of things that we do that um, are heart closers. You mentioned one, and that is lack of forgiveness, lack of forgiveness to someone else, lack of forgiveness to ourselves. When our heart, our mind, when we are uh, occupied with anger um, and uh, lack of forgiveness, it really, it, 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 it literally eats us alive. I have seen people that... Um, that that age overnight because they're holding on to some grievance, um, and and I've also seen the sweet and beautiful bliss that occurs when somebody forgives themselves or forgives someone else, and just the, the whole being shifts. And so there are some very specific strategies about how to how to and, and great ideas around how to keep an open heart. But the other piece of this, Chicky, is that. We need to have these dreams, these desires, these goals that just that just wisp across the top of our head. I mean, what this book is about is what either advances or obstructs that process from just that faint glimmer of an idea, that inspiration that comes in. What will advance or obstruct that as it moves to becoming form? As it moves to showing up in our lives, right? right. In our physical physical existence. <clears throat> and when a goal, <clears throat> excuse me, or a dream descends from the mind to the heart, you know that it is now power packed with the intensity and the emotion to really, really make it happen. Um, and one, one example of that in, in my life is that for years I thought, I oh, you know really. My, when my children grew up, they sort of one by one moved to San Diego. They're grown grown up and love San Diego, not coming back to Utah to live. Right. And so it became a dream, a goal, a desire of mine for a really long time to to get a place here. And, of course, I had affirmations around it and, and so forth. But when I created the affirmation that said this, I am so happy and grateful that I'm waking up in the morning in San Diego, that I can smell the ocean in the breeze, that I can pick up the phone and be at lunch with any one of my children within 30 minutes. It's like the emotion, you know what I mean? When it got to the feeling place, San Diego, looking out my window, and I've got one son that lives four blocks. I'm walking distance from where I am. And so, you know, it's just getting to that feeling place where where it really descends from the mind to the heart to give it the potency it needs to come into reality. Well, and you also mentioned, <clears throat> and and this is covered uh, in in other chapters, but we didn't talk about it. The importance of having a grateful heart, and, and to as you're writing that affirmation, doing it in such a way that you're you're thanking um, uh, God for for what He is doing for you, if that if that's your belief structure. And you know, it's funny because at night when we're sitting down for dinner, uh, my son will always. Uh, speak up and, and pray about hoping that something will happen. And, you know, I hate, I hate to coach him on, on something as, as on prayer. as praying, but, but I do tell him, you know, honey, you should just thank God for that, you know, rather than hoping that you'll get get good grades, you know, thank him for making you so smart that, that you can get good grades. And, and you know, there, it's just a, a different way to kind of pivot your mind, you know, so that it is to connect with the heart, and I, I think that that's something that we we often miss is that there there's something that just isn't you know in in the right place so that that connection can happen. You're and, so right if, on. If we're not being grateful, or or um, you know, my my son happens to have a, a challenge with uh, always taking the the victim uh, side of an approach. You know, you'll walk in, yes. he'll walk into a room, and I'll say, "Go get your sister so we can go to the mall." Oh well, don't I get to come? It's like, no. I said we. You know, that's like all of us, right? And, and, right. Um, so getting him to pivot and and changing, you know, that statement to, oh great, we get to go to the mall, right? And and being grateful for that. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's just a different way of articulating things. And I think, you know, if you've been in a position, and and you know, I'm 
very, very grateful in my own life that that I haven't had this as a challenge, uh, you know, of of not believing in myself because my parents very much raised us to believe we could do anything, be anything, and that it didn't matter. And so worry and and guilt and all of those things that sap your energy. I I that I'm just blessed that I don't have to deal with those, and I I have just a real gift of faith in my life. And and so moving to step six, which is is after you have connected with the heart, with what it is that you want to do, actually taking that action step. So why don't you talk to me about the five W's and the H that that make up acting? You know, uh, let me let me just share one piece here first, um, and that is that these steps all interplay at yes. any given time. You know, if you might start into action around something because you're led by a vision, and then you realize you have to go back and shore up some belief, and you need to create powerful affirmations, um, uh, and and you know, maybe then you learn, oh, I got to expand my vision. I wasn't seeing this big enough. So they all interplay, and I always encourage that people move into action very quickly on a new idea. Um, that they speak it out loud and, and move into action very quickly because um, action is our physicalization of our intention. It, it's it's where the rubber meets the road, really. Um, and uh, uh, kind of in the interest of time, I know we only have uh, another five, six minutes before we'll be wrapping up here. I wonder if I can share with you um, some of the things that are most profound for me in this chapter yes. and the things that really align with, with my life lessons. Can I do that? Absolutely. Thank you, darling. So what I what I would share is that I, I learned a few things about action, and one of them is that you need to be willing to take imperfect action. When you start something new, you cannot possibly – do it the first time perfectly. When you begin any new venture, you have no idea how long it's going to take, how much money it's going to cost. You just don't know these things. Um, but the, the you know, being willing to begin, so a couple of the statements that I love so much are um, it's better to begin with fault than to hesitate perfectly. Better to begin with fault than to hesitate perfectly. And Another statement, anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly until you learn how to do it well. I watch people who... You know, get ready to 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 get ready. And, you know, there's just something that the, the more frozen they become, the longer they take in preparation, um, the, the less likely they are to actually ever achieve what it is they're setting out to do. And so there's something very valuable about being willing to take imperfect action. And then the other, um, the other piece, and I have a precious story that I'd love to share around this really important principle, um, and that is that there is a sowing season and a reaping season, and they're not in the same season. And all that we can really control is the planting. We don't know when we are, you know, moving toward a big goal if the seeds that we're planting are falling on really fertile ground or on stony ground, or if the birds are going to scoop by and eat them. I mean, we just don't know that part. And so, um, you know, going back to the, this early business building time of mine 25 years ago, and I mentioned, kind of alluded to the rejection. Well, I would sometimes drive three hours to a meeting and have nobody show up. And in those early days, because of my lack of finances, um, if I was invited to come from Utah to California, for example, to do a meeting with some team members, I could not afford to fly. So I, I drove in my car, and I could not afford a hotel, so I slept in a hotel parking lot <laughs> um, under big lights. And then in the morning, I would go into a gas station, and I would put my electric curlers in, and I would right. get dressed, get dressed, put my makeup on in their bathroom, in the bathroom of a gas station. And then I would head off to these meetings going, come on, join me, we're going to get rich, you know. And so the, I had an interviewer a couple of years ago say, how did that make you feel sleeping in your car? And I, I know what she was getting at. She was really getting at, did you feel disenfranchised? Did it take a toll on your self-esteem? But the bottom line is I had already made a whatever-it-takes decision. I'd made that decision. I wasn't looking back. I wasn't reassessing. I, I didn't have a, a, a back door. I didn't have an escape hatch. I had simply made a decision that was non-negotiable. And okay. so I didn't even think about it. It was just what had to be done. And here's how I learned that one, one of many experiences, but really a sweet one, 
of how I learned this sowing and reaping season principle in spades. So I'm now in, in the business about in my business about three years, and now I can afford to. I'm making good money. I can afford to uh, fly where I need to, stay in any hotel that I want to, and I, I was invited to do a meeting in New York which for me was immediately intimidating. I'm from Utah, right? Here's this little girl from Utah <laughs> going to go tell the people in the Big Apple how to make money. And so, um, I, But I was very, very well prepared. Um, ironically, the cab driver got lost on her way to the meeting, and I ended up arriving about 30 minutes late. Uh, people were just irritatedly fanning themselves. The room was hot, long, narrow room. So I gave a brief presentation, and then I asked if there's anyone that wants to have any questions answered, would you please feel free to come up and, and, and ask me? Um, again, I'm sorry for being late. So this Russian gentleman came up and said, I'm going to take this to Russia. And it was sh shortly after the breakup of the Soviet states. I thought, that's amazing. I patted him on the back and said, let me know how I can support you. Not really getting too excited because kind of at this stage of my business, I, I realized that not everyone does what they say they're going to do. And not that I was jaded. I just was realistic. I said, yeah, if he does it, that's great. I'm here to help him. But what happened is within a oh, I don't know, a couple of months, I started noticing these names show up on my uh, on my summary. Um, and pretty soon there were pages and pages of Svetlana, Igor, Valentin, Pizarevskis, you know, uh, uh, Irina. All these names started showing up on my printout. And at one point, before the ruble fell, it was a high point for my business there, I decided I would order the entire printout so that I could see truly how many lives had been touched, the ripple effect of that one meeting that I thought was a flop, right? So I ordered the printout, and it came on that, that green and white, accordion-folded paper, perforated on the sides, you know, 50 names on each page. I know that dates me, but this, you know, this is how we used to track these things. So I took this big, big pile of, you know, this data out of the box, and I sat it on my desk, and it stood nine or ten inches high, literally one-half million, one-half million team members across Eurasia, the result of one seed. And you just never know, right, where you plant the seed that is going to bring not just a tree, but a forest, a nation, a nation. Right. And, you know, I look at the that that statement now, there's a sowing season and a reaping season. They're not in the same season. But what I know about that is that it's a law. It's an eternal law. And if right. you plant enough, not one seed, you can't expect you're going to get a big harvest out of one seed. But if you plant enough, and you are consistently putting yourself out there, um, the reaping season will come. And when it comes, based on from, from my experience, and I think Napoleon Hill talks about this as well, that that when the riches come, you they will be so over, overwhelmingly grand and in such abundance that you will wonder where have they been all these lean years, right, and right. and that that's the feeling that I had like simultaneously knowing that I had paid the price. I know I, I I know I stayed when others would have quit. I know I kept going when others would have stopped. I know that, mm. and yet at the same time. The, the the reaping was so great and so grand, so much bigger than I would have hoped that I right. at the same time said, what did I do to deserve this? And, you know, and I guess that's where we weave back to gratitude. But at the end of the day, I think it's one of the preeminent mindsets that we can adopt when we approach each day of our lives with a sense of true gratitude. We put ourselves in the most incredible place to be able to receive more. And it really is from that place of gratitude that more does come to us. Oh, absolutely. Well, Margie, this has just been amazing. And I know uh, this is a big week for you. You've got a lot of lot of things going on with, with promoting the book. Uh, did you want to share some of that and also how people Absolutely. can get in touch with you before we close? Yes, yes, yes. I would encourage people to go to the website, Anything You Want Book. Anything you want, book.com. Um, because along with the book be, being launched on April 9th um, and, and all of the details you need to get the book there, um, I'm having a live cast on that day as a celebration. And it's, it's, a, it's a, from 11 a.m. Pacific time till 3 
3 p.m. Pacific time, and it's going to be so incredibly inspirational. I'm preparing the questions, and I, I know what the con- some of the content's going to be. You get to listen in to this live cast for free from the comfort of your own home or office, wherever you may be on that day. And if you are unable to attend live, go ahead and, and sign in anyway. And no worries, I'll get you um, access to the recordings. I've got people like Marcy Shimoff, who wrote, who was in The Secret and wrote Love for No Reason, Happy for No Reason. Um, Bob Berg, who wrote The Go-Giver. Gary Ryan Blair, who wrote Everything Counts. And then I've just gathered together six of my close friends and colleagues who are six- and seven-figure earners who are just everyday people like us, right, that made a decision. And you'll be so inspired by their stories. You'll get so much uh, and, and great strategies that will be shared. You will come away transformed a person from those four hours. I just know it. Um, so I invite you to join me live on that day for that event. And then, yes, I would love it if you um, feel so inspired and inclined to pick up a copy of my book on April 9th or any time. And uh, thank you so much, Chicky, for having me on today. Well, it is my pleasure, and and I love what you say on on that site. Are you yearning to burst out of where you are today and take your life to the next level? Uh, I I think uh, I definitely, (laughs) I don't have to think, I definitely know I am yearning to burst out of where I am today. I am taking my uh, life to the next level, and I, I just so appreciate your time today, Margie. It has been terrific, and uh, again, the site is anythingyouwantbook.com, and the name of the book is How to Get Absolutely Anything That You Want in Six Practical, Doable, Time-Tested Steps. Margie, I hope you have a great day. I am looking forward to uh, hearing the live cast, and, uh, of course, Bob Berg is one of my absolutely favorite people oh, in the wide love world. love him. So I'm, the I'm go-giver. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. All right. It was wonderful being with you. Thank you, Chicky, for having me today. Oh, it is my pleasure, Margie. And enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, I look forward to a great launch of your book next week. Thank you so much. Good night, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye, baby. For more information about the Executive Girlfriends Group, see www.executivegirlfriendsgroup.com. The music for our show is provided by Gabrielle Allen from her CD, No Inhibitions.